Bridgewater Nation, what is up? John Dolovacki here. Welcome back to another Bridgewater Live show. Tonight we have Tara Dower on the show. She is the new FKT holder for the Mountains to Sea Trail, an 1,175-mile trail running from Klingman's Dome in the Smokies to Jockey's Ridge in the Outer Banks. You do not want to miss out on this. She was an incredible guest and has an amazing story to tell. So sit back and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? Welcome back. Good afternoon. We are back with another episode of the Ridge Runners Live Show here tonight with Tara Dower, the newest supported FKT holder for the Mountains to Sea Trail and 1175 mile trail running from Clingham's Dome in the Smokies to Jockey's Ridge in the Outer Banks. This is like a true little known gem of a long trail. I had actually not even heard of it until we learned from Liz, a previous guest that Tara was running this. Um, and it's just truly incredible the route that uh, this trail goes through. And Tara, with I think no previous ultra marathon experience, at least nothing that I can find on Google, ran this whole trail. I mean, who cares if you've ever done a local 50K, if this is the first huge ultra distance thing that you go out and do. This is so incredible. We are so lucky to have her on the show tonight. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're ready. And Tara, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing really well, actually. Um, just chilling. <laughs> That's good to hear. Uh, what about you, JD? How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I just had some uh, good run and then some pizza to follow it up with. So I'm, I'm in a good mood right now. And I got my uh, good beverage of choice tonight. <clears throat> and uh, tonight I've decided to go with some more South Tier because that's all I got in the fridge. <laughs> and uh, it's a hazy and juicy IPA, so it's pretty good. Cam, are you drinking anything over there this evening? I am. Uh, this is the very last one of these that I have in my fridge as well. So... Uh, Viewers who have noticed that I keep drinking these will uh, soon get to hear something else, but it's the Jackie O's Under a Cloud IPA. I think this is like the third or fourth show in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Tara? What are you drinking tonight? So I'm recuperating for a couple of days at my parents' house, and they had this um, Goose Island uh, IPA. So that's that's what I'm drinking. They had it in their fridge. I decided to bum it for this for this uh, interview. Good choice. Yeah, that is great. Um, we'll after this effort, you should definitely have many more free beers on tap. Maybe even a brewery <laughs> sponsorship. You're open to that kind of thing. We'll knock on wood so as not to change that potentially. But um, let's go ahead and get into the show. Um, Tara, tell us what made you want to set this FKT, and uh, tell us because I mentioned already that the. Mountains to Sea Trail is a pretty little known gem of a long trail. Uh, why exactly this trail and what you truly loved about this trail? Um, so first off, um, yeah, like you said, the MST, Not, I mean, you're right. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, you're not in the wrong for not knowing about it because like only 120 people have completed a through hike on it. Um, that's just how little known it is. Um, but it goes, like you said, from um, Klingman's Dome to the Outer Banks, uh, Jackie's Ridge. And um, so, I mean, I've lived in North Carolina my entire life. And I went to college while well, I lived in Wake Forest, um, Raleigh, and then went to college on the coast and then went uh, and worked for some time in Asheville. So it's kind of like this hike was just kind of like, a com combination of like my 
like growing up to like college to like adult life. And it's just a combination of all of it. And I just thought it'd be cool to just explore the state. Um, but just to get into like the nitty gritty, why I wanted to do an FKT, I wanted to originally do just a regular through hike of the uh, mountains to sea trail. But when COVID happened at the beginning of the year, it changed my plans. Uh, you have to use trail angels because you can't legally camp wherever you want. Um, you have to like camp like at established campsites or like when you're in the Piedmont or coastal region, you can't just like jump off like the side of the road because it's on a lot of road. Um, you can't just jump on the side of the road and like camp right there, obviously. Um, so you have to rely on a lot of trail angels for restocking and camping legally. So I realized I couldn't just like hang out with these trail angels uh, and put them at risk or them put me at risk. So I decided to form like a little bubble, a little group of people to like move me to the coast. If whoever else wanted to walk with me too, we'd all move to the coast. Um, and then from there, I thought like, I mean, why don't I just like look up the FKT, the current FKT and just, you know, play around with it, play around with the idea. And it turns out the current FKT was set in 2012 when the trail was 900 miles. Uh, and that was before the coastal crescent was added in. And now they added about 250. So now it's a 1,175 miles. Um, that was set by Diane Van Duren in 22 days. So anything, honestly, anything I did um, on the current trail, the 1,175 mile trail was going to be um, all right, honestly. Um, but I wanted to push myself and, uh, if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it correctly. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's, uh, when was that piece added? Like those, you said it, um, it was like about another 150 or 200 yeah, miles. -ish. Yeah. 250 -ish. 250 ish. Uh, I'm not really sure how many miles it was when Diane Van Duren did it. I want to say it's like 250-ish miles that they added, uh, but they added the coastal crescent region. So if you look at the map, it goes like from like Clingman's Dome and it goes kind of up and like down and then up and then it like takes a hard <laughs> downturn and it does like this crescent move up the coast like this. Um, and instead of just, I think they had it just going straight across and up. Uh, instead of dipping down. And I'm not sure when they added that. So anywhere, I mean, in that eight years, um, I think it's more recent than, um, than 2012, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the most difficult aspect of planning that those uh, who had never attempted to support an FKT, but not a manage? Yeah, I can't even talk tonight. What? <laughs> Sorry. What was the most difficult aspect of planning that those who have never attempted a supported FKT may not imagine having to do so, especially with, you know, COVID happening as well? Yeah. So since I'm not really like, I want to get into ultra marathons now. Um, I've been wanting to for a couple of years, but this kind of came first. Um, but since I'm not in that scene, um, and I don't know a lot of, I know a lot of through hikers, I know a lot of hikers, um, but I don't know a lot of people that do these extreme endurance feats. Um, but because of that, I didn't have a lot of people that I could ask, you know, can you take off like a month of your time and <laughs> drive a car or just like support me on this record? A lot of people um, 
you know, in ultra marathon scenes, I'm guessing would be more willing to do something like that. I don't know, maybe not. Um, but I was having a super hard time planning out a support team. Um, if I was going to do this, I wanted to do it with a support team because of COVID. Uh, I didn't want to just go out there and, um, I did have the option to do a two car method so I could do it unsupported. So I could park a car, uh, at one end of the trail and, um, park another at the end of like a day and hike the other way. So I would be traveling East, but hiking West. Um, cause I'd have those two cars. So I did have that option, but I knew that would just, that wasn't really what I wanted to do. If I was going to do this, I wanted to have like a support team. Um, but it was really hard to find somebody who was willing to take a month out of their time to do that. Uh, eventually I did, uh, find Ryan who is a friend's boyfriend. So we didn't know each other that well, but we got to know each other really well, uh, during the month. And he's actually making a documentary right now about the, um, about the hike. And I also, uh, have my friend Rascal who did about half the time. She hiked about half the time with me. She was a pacer. Um, and she joined for about 14 days, which was super helpful as well. I trust her a lot. We, we hiked the Appalachian trail about 700 miles together. So that was really great, but it took like a good two months of like just failures and failures and like, Oh, somebody wants to do it. And like a week later, they're like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. Um, so it was just like a lot of letdowns. And then finally, like I found the solid support crew, uh, but that was really hard to figure out, um, was the, the support crew, honestly. Yeah. And so that is definitely something that I never would have expected would have been like the difficult part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone seems always so focused on like the physical challenge of the thing, because that mm -hmm. is very easy to obsess about. We can see numbers, right. You know, we can see like Strava posts and elevation gains and those sorts of things, but we can't sort of see all of this uh, stuff that's moving behind the scenes, all of these moving pieces that when you're actually out on the trail, maybe you're not worried about when you're going to get food next, when, you know, you're worried if there's going to be someone to give you that food, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, you've already kind of explained why you chose to do a crude effort versus a self-supported style effort. Um, mm -hmm. A lot, especially with COVID and relying on trail and uh, excuse me, trail angels. That really makes a lot of sense, but, uh, yeah. would you be ever open to doing it self-supported in the future? Doing the MST self-supported? Yes. Um, probably not, uh, just because there was a lot of safety concerns. I, mm -hmm. I meant to look this up beforehand, but I would say I did about 40% road walking um, in the Piedmont and the coast. So it's separated the mountain section, the Piedmont section, the coastal section. Um, so once I got into the Piedmont section, I immediately started road walking, um, in a very country area. And I grew up like sort of in the country back in the day when it wasn't so like crazy here. Um, but it was like a country area and I'm used to that, but there was a lot of people hollering at me, like people were there was a guy with this intercom and he was like yelling at me in his car and in his intercom. A lot of guys were just, a guy literally stopped in the middle of the road and asked me if I was European because I had trekking poles. Um, and you know, that, that isn't, that isn't a big deal, 
but as a female, when um, people notice you that much and when people are hollering at you and you're just getting noticed like every 10 minutes, you know, there could be somebody that comes along that um, has bad intentions. Um, and you're the only one, if I'm the only one out there and I'm on the road for about 40, what I say, I think, it, yeah, 40% of the time um, of this trail, this 1,175 miles, um, that, that could be a big safety concern. And I, I don't know if it was less roads, I would definitely be more open to it. Cause I feel very comfortable on trail, the whole mountain section. I just felt super comfortable on, never had any safety concerns, um, out there, but, um, as far as people go, and that's what I'm the most concerned about are people. Um, but there's definitely sections, not all the road walking, but there's definitely some road walking where I felt very unsafe just with some people around and comments being made. And it's good to have people who are looking out for you, who are in the area and know that you're going to be here at this certain amount of time, or they can get in their car and look for you along the route. It was just nice to know that I had those people and I felt more confident to uh, walk through like the nighttime or, um, the early morning hours. Yeah, that's, um, that's incredibly valid. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think that's another thing, right? Sometimes we can get a little too hung up on, you know, well, what's more challenging and what's more difficult and in trying to make the physical aspect of it more difficult, right? Like the challenge, like the endurance part of it, right? We end up forgetting about a lot of those other safety things that um, go into trip planning. Mm-hmm. And especially as men, right? Um, this is totally something that would be in our blind spot. Um, so thank you for being willing to share that with us. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, so, um, moving on a little bit from that, what did your training look like going into this attempt? Uh, we've already mentioned you've never run an ultra marathon before this. I'm like truly fascinated. Yeah. You were just like, I think for the first one, I'll just go, I'll just go real big. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll go for 30 days. That seems reasonable. Um, yeah, so I grew up actually running my entire life. Like um, I played soccer and that kind of got me the um, the playing midfield, got me the endurance. And then I did track and cross country and I did marathons um, after college and half marathons. And eventually when I was doing those marathons, I thought I would get to the point where I do an ultra marathon, but it just never seemed to work out. Um, where I could actually sign up for one. I think I just had a lot going on. Um, so, um, sorry, I forgot the actual question. I got down this road of talking about my running career. Yeah. Um, I said, I think you said like, what did your training look like going into the attempt? And I also made a comment. Oh, it was right. your first, it was your first ultra, right? A casual yeah. 1100 mile first ultra. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So my training going into this was, I mean, I was very serious about my training. I work at a bunkhouse called the Appalachian trailer, um, that houses Appalachian trail through hikers and section hikers and clients of the Blue Ridge hiking company. Um, and so I live there. So I literally have mountains. I have deer park Mount, which is like a 900 footer and it's just steep as heck. Um, and then I have like lovers leap over there and I just have mountains all around me and I could access the Appalachian trail and the mountains of sea trail within, you know, an hour's drive. The Appalachian trail literally goes right in from my house. 
Um, so I had all these awesome trails to practice on. So I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of fast hiking. So I'd always try to do, um, at pace going up mountains and I tried to keep it at a 15 or four miles an hour. Um, I thought going into, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do four miles an hour the entire time. No, that, that was like maybe a handful of times. Um, but anyways, I tried to do that as much as possible. So I would do deer park mountain. I would constantly just go up and down deer park mountain. I would do mountain repeats, um, with a weighted backpack, I did a lot of road running and I should have probably done a little more because of the road running. I didn't expect it to be as much as it was. So I should have probably done a little more of that. Um, but I also did a lot of injury prevention and yoga. So I worked, um, when I was, I was hiking with, uh, Mercury or Liz, uh, when she was doing her Appalachian trail northbound, uh, FKT attempt, and she had really bad shin splints and the way she like, just hearing her in pain got me really inspired to work on my shins and work on the muscles around my shins and lower legs and do that injury prevention before I got on trail. So I did that. And I also did knee exercises to strengthen muscles around my knee. Um, <clears throat> I did yoga to work on like my flexibility and just kind of give my, my muscles that break. But I did a lot of long runs. I did I should have done this. So if anyone ever wants to do an FKT, I recommend doing, um, two long days in a row, or if you can three long days in a row. So I only ended up doing like a 40 mile day, um, a 38 mile day, and then another long day. Um, but I wish I could have done those in a row. So I spaced it out within a week. So I was able to recover and I kind of wish I was able to see how my body handled those miles one after the other or day after day. Um, and that is something I wish I had done, but it ended up me just doing like the miles and that was fine. And that worked out. And I tried to keep a four mile an hour pace. Um, but it was just honestly a lot of running. I did. I always tried to get in at least eight miles a day, um, which was easy working at a bunkhouse. I mean, you don't have, I had a lot to do, but I essentially worked on my own time. So I could do it early. I could do it later. Um, however, worked in my schedule. It was a pretty free, um, an open schedule allowed me to kind of do it whenever I needed to. So it was a good, it was a good gig in order to train for the FKT. Um, but long story short, just a lot, a lot of running <laughs> on trails. So for your, your injury prevention, like, did you work with a PT for that? Or did you do a lot of research and, and discover uh, exercises yeah. that worked really well for you? Yeah, I, I did it. I, I did, I went on YouTube and looked at some PTs on there, uh, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who work in that industry are shaking their head, but it worked really well. Like I had back issues and I looked up this one dude's videos and my, I was worried it was before the hike. And I was like worried that my back would act up a lot. And I did these exercises and I worked on the like injury prevention that he had and I was good to go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. And to defend PTs a little bit, I am also a horrendous, um, often YouTube physical therapist advice <laughs> asker. Um, every time I have seen like a real physical like physical therapist, like a person in front of me, right? They always find something that I'm still missing, right? 
um, that I also need to work on a little bit more. So <laughs> yeah. that will be our plug for physical therapy as a whole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I probably need to go after this, honestly. It'd probably be a good idea to go see one, check out my knees and stuff. My knees started acting up again today. I was like, oh, dang it. Going down the stairs. It's like, no, please. <laughs> it's only yeah. been a couple of days, right? So you really you still have yeah. some more recovery to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, we got our very first question in the chat tonight. Uh, Alex Jackson wants to know, despite not having run one before, does the idea of running an ultra of any distance intimidate you now after setting this FKT? Um, it excites the heck out of me. I am so excited. Like, oh man, I'm so excited to like explore ultras. Um, just because like the idea that I can do these runs, I have a set amount of like miles to do and then go home and sleep and relax after like a day or two days of running. Um, the one that does kind of make me nervous is anything over a hundred, um, maybe even like 75, you know, maybe 75, but 60, like I feel super comfortable. Like I think I know I can do that and um, I know it's going to be hard but I'm kind of addicted to the feeling of like this, this toughness and pushing past my limits. And it really excites me. I don't know how I do after a hundred miles, like I said, but I'm excited to figure out. That's, that's so great to hear. We're excited to learn in the future. Um, I was going to say the concept of being like worried past the hundred mile mark is a little bit, shocking to me, frankly, but that's okay. Um, never quite done anything like, uh, the, uh, trail that you just did. So, um, keeping on this topic of like the trail itself, um, you've mentioned that there were some very different sections with like a lot of road in between the trails, but could you take us through what your daily routine looked like on the trail? Um, maybe change it up a little bit for if you were on trails or if you were on roads. Mm. Mm, okay. Yeah. So in the mountain section, it was all, it was a little bit of road, like, I don't even know, a couple miles. Uh, but the mountain section was pretty much all trail. And so for the routine there, um, we had me and Ryan, it was mostly me and my support guy, Ryan, he was there the entire time. Uh, we did have a couple people, my dad, his girlfriend, Lexi, um, a p- couple people come in and out and help us, but it was mostly just us. So we set up the time for me to be awake by 3 a.m. We would both wake up at 3 a.m. He would go and make my breakfast, um, and I would go get my pack ready and get like my feet ready. My my toes were so swollen. My my lower legs were so swollen. My toes, like my oh, it's so gross. Like it was just pussy. And like, I removed, we removed three toenails in the mountain section, uh, but just swollen, swollen, swollen toes, um, just blisters everywhere, just pain, just so much pain in my toes. Um, and it ended up being my shoes. I ended up getting, um, the wrong shoes and that's what did it. And, um, I'll just plug this really quick, but, um, I was wearing a nine and a half when by the end of it, no, I was wearing a nine in those trail shoes. And I, by the end of it, I was doing, uh, by the end of the mountain section, I was in a 10. So in a lone peak that was letting my toes breathe. Um, so they were in these little, little shoes and then they were able to breathe. Um, anyways, so I had to prepare my toes 
every morning I had to like leukotape them. I had to just like make sure they're clean. Um, so I did that for a while in the mornings and then I would eat my breakfast, get my pack ready, get my shoes on and be out by 4 a.m. So I always tried, I had two very loose goals that kind of kept my, my brain and like, uh, the game. So it was, um, I tried to do 20 miles before 1030. That was a very loose goal because I was, um, that was very dependent on like the elevation, everything. Um, and then I tried to do one that I felt like I could do pretty much every single time was, uh, 30 before, um, one or two, anywhere from one to two, um, I would try to have 30 miles done by then. Um, so those were like those loose goals that I always tried to keep to, um, and then through that time, about five to eight times a day, me and Ryan was a little less in the mountains is about five times in the mountains. Uh, we would meet up and, uh, he would restock me with water and any snacks. And I only ate snacks through the day. That was another issue towards the end of the hike, not doing a lunch. Um, but anyways, that's what we did in the beginning. And so I did snacks and then I would always try to be done by anywhere from five to eight, just because, um, it wasn't really a problem on trail, but I felt more comfortable hiking in the dark in the mornings. Cause I knew less people were awake, um, and less animals were awake. Um, then early at, uh, or late at night. Sorry. Um, so I always tried to be done between five and eight. And then after that, we would, he would get me dinner ready. I would eat, I would again, take care of my feet, take and stretch and just make sure I was ready for the next day and go to sleep as fast as possible. I try to be asleep by anywhere from seven 30 to eight 30, depending on when my day ended. Um, <clears throat> but then when we got to the Piedmont in the coastal region, he was able to drive around me and able to see me a lot more. So it was the same wake up time, same, uh, leave by this time. Um, but he was able to meet up with me a little more since it was on roads. And, um, that was, I tried to be at that time, I tried to be done anywhere from five to like, I would say 6.30 was my latest on the roads, just because being out on the roads after dark um, in a place that I don't know, didn't really, I didn't really want to do that. Uh, so I always tried to get out um, off the road and to camp by um, before nightfall. And we were able to do that. And I was able to travel a lot faster on roads. So it was a lot easier um, to get into camp earlier. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a loose schedule of my days. That's one crazy routine to go with for 30 days. Um, mm-hmm. So when you're out on the trail, I'm sure you probably ran into a lot of different people or even other through hikers, maybe. I'm not sure you said like it's not as well of a known trail. Um, but what was maybe <laughs> like a No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I saw was- zero through hikers. Zero. Oh man. Well, hopefully there was we'll get absolutely some more. no. I saw I saw yeah, I saw a lot of like regular hikers in the mountain section, which was great. But after that, nobody wants to hike on a road. I was like, dang it, man. Where are all the through hikers? Um, nobody <laughs> sorry, go on. I just interrupted it. you. No, totally fine. <laughs> um so what, in in those interactions with all those people, since you obviously saw no no through hikers, and hopefully you'll get some more through hikers now after this, you know, being out in there. 
Um, what was maybe one yeah. of your most memorable interactions with another hiker, runner, person, car, or whatever you may have encountered? <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I hate that this is the most memorable, but when people ask me that question, this is what I, this is literally the instant, like instant thing I think about. Um, it was, I was going through Mebbin in the Piedmont section. It was right after Greensboro and, uh, it was a long day of road walking again, just roads and interdispersed with, um, some, uh, trails, but mostly road. And my friend Rascal, who she calls herself the coach, but she like, she set me this really huge goal about halfway through the day. She's like, you're going to do it or uh, you're just going to do it. There's no way you're not going to do this. She set a 48 mile goal. And I was like, girl, chill. But anyway, so like we were, I was um, like almost at the end of the day, I had, like maybe three miles left. and I was tired, obviously. Um, and so I was on the roads by myself and they had gone forward and they're, I think they're just figuring out where we're going to stay. I'm not really sure, but it was just me on these roads. Um, and this work truck came, like I walk against traffic. So the work truck was coming towards me and I was right here. Um, and I love, I love when I see cars get over obviously when there's no other cars coming, but I love when the car gets over like as far as they can, just like giving you enough room. And it's, it's just really respectful. And I always try to wave and say, thank you. Um, even if people just give me a little room, I just love seeing that. And it was very appreciated. Um, but these guys, they got way over in their work truck. There's about four of them in this white work truck and they got over and I was in the middle of waving because they were over and they, at that moment, they swerved, and acted the guy like swerved towards me and acted like he was going to hit me with his car and then swerved back. Um, it wasn't very close, but it, it freaked me out. Like I jumped and because the car was coming right at me. Um, and I like put my hand down obviously, cause they were not nice and they don't, they don't deserve a wave. And, uh, last thing I saw, they were just laughing. Um, so it was really just a joke for them to, uh, act like they're going to hit this girl who, you know, I was doing everything right. I was on the side of the road, um, on the right side of the road. I had my reflective vest. Um, it's not like I was taking up the road and I hate that that's the most memorable moment. Uh, cause I did most part, all the cars, like I saw hundreds of cars a day and they're all respectful, but of course, you know, it's just human nature to remember that one instance where, um, it wasn't, it wasn't great and that wasn't great and it upset me a lot and fortunately that's my memorable moment yeah well it totally makes sense that that's the most memorable moment um you know and like obviously nobody who's out running like deserves that right especially not in the middle of an attempt this big i can i can sort of see how that would have like upset you for like a long time afterward and um been sort dude, of the, that most dude, yeah thing. i was yeah, I was so emotional. I called my mom. I'm emotional through this whole thing. Like I cried so much. I'm I'm not even gonna lie. Like I'm a crier now. It's a good release for me. But mm -hmm. I called my mom up and I was just like, these guys did this and I don't know why and I don't know what I did to them. And you know, she had to console me, but it was it was very tough and it was very annoying. But I lived to see another day, so that's good. <laughs> so besides that, then can you could you think of one that would be your best memorable moment? So we can go back and, and you know, you had to think about it. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, yes, I, I did have a very, um, this isn't really with a hiker. It might've been a hiker, but, um, you know, there were several interactions in the mountains where I talked to hikers, just regular hikers and talked to people and they're very supportive and very excited for me. And a lot of most people I talked to, um, were just very, very supportive. And this couple, I actually remember who was alma mater of, uh, ECU and, you know, we just talked and communicated and that was a lot of fun. But I, when I was in the coastal section, somebody had put up a sign that said MST FKT go Tara, you go girl. And it was a sign. And I saw it right in the morning as I was starting. And it was so exciting because I'm on this trail and most people who pass me on the road or people who pass me, even on trails, um, they don't, and people who live on the trail too, they don't know it's a trail. They don't know what the MST is. And, you know, I've gotten the cops called on me for like, Hey, what's this girl doing? Like, can you go check her out? Or I've had people stop and ask me if I need rides or like, no one really knows what the MST is. And so when I saw that sign that somebody actually knew what it was and was encouraging me to keep going further, that just was a really positive interaction. Um, not face to face, but it was a positive interaction with hopefully a hiker or, you know, a trail maintainer of the MST. I still don't know who they are. I really want to say thank you in person or just over chat or something. Uh, but that was so cool to see. And it was just, it was a nice breath of fresh air to start my day. Yeah, that sounds really great. And hopefully the next time you do something like this, there's a lot more of those moments. Um, maybe do something in Ohio yeah, and we'll, yeah. uh, we'll come out to make signs. <laughs> it would be it would be quite a road trip to do- deliver great. a lawn sign, but um, maybe we could get Wesley on it since he lives in Charlotte. And so we have... Yeah. Another question in the chat here. This one is from Eric Anderson, um, another North Carolina guy, at least I think North Carolina. Please don't be too mean to me if I don't know which one is which. Um, But he asks, other than Western North Carolina, what was the coolest section? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Falls Lake, Eno River, Falls Lake, and the Greenway um, in Raleigh was really cool. Mostly because, you know, you had a hundred miles of trail before and after these big road sections. It was just a solid amount of hundred miles of trail. Um, and that was so cool for many reasons because it was trail, but also because, uh, I grew up in Wake Forest. I grew up on those trails. I worked at Blue, Blue Jay Point, um, where the trail goes around. Um, I literally got engaged on like one of these trails. I saw one of the, lo- well, the location that I got engaged on, uh, to my husband. Um, I did cross country meets around Falls Lake. I did my first like solo backpacking trip around Falls Lake and ended at Shinleaf. And, uh, it was just like really cool to be back there. And you, know, like I said, it was just like a combination of my life just coming together in this like incredible feat. And, um, that was really cool just personally, but also it's a cool section. It's just a gorgeous, um, section in between these road walks. Um, also the coastal section was really neat. I've never done extended amounts of 
walking on a beach. I've done like a mile or two here and there and like picked up shells, whatever. Um, but you had to do, there was like, uh, I would say 80, how many miles was that? I would say it was like, in all, there's about like maybe 90 miles of beach walking. And that was really cool. It was nothing I've ever experienced before. And most people were just like, what is she doing with trekking poles and like these shoes on the beach? And, uh, but it was really cool to just walk on the beach. I enjoyed the, um, the, what's the word, the marine life. There's a lot of crabs one morning, like a hundred crabs, uh, just like all over the place. I'd saw a dead washed up shark, which was weird, but also like kind of cool. Uh, he's like five feet. He's so big. Um, but also I saw like a lot of tourists. I saw kite surfers. Um, my parents came out and they got a beach house and they literally just walked up on trail on the beach and on the outer banks and greeted me. Um, I saw families playing a lot of joy, um, that kind of like radiated to me. So that was really cool. I would recommend doing that section for sure. That's great to hear. And if anybody's playing like a wildlife mentioned bingo with this show, um, you probably didn't have crabs at all on your sheet, but if you did check it off, <laughs> I assume you probably have much more like forested wildlife. I did not expect a, a crab reference tonight. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There's crabs and sharks and you know, yeah. kite surfers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although to be clear, I believe you said tourists there at first, my brain heard tortoises and I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's no tortoises there, right? That would be so cool. No, there's no tortoises. I did not see any tortoises, unfortunately. I did see the um, the prince, I don't know what you call him, but the prince of a mm -hmm. sea, a baby sea turtle going to the ocean. There's like little sectioned off areas, but I, I didn't see them, but I saw their little like markings going to the water. So that was cool. No yeah. tortoises, mm -hmm. but sea turtles. That's... That's good. And yeah, that must have been super cool to see. Um, and so keeping with this, right, you've mentioned like a lot of the things recently like that you get to see, right, that were like really cool and exciting. But what was the moment on the trail that you think brought you the most joy? Oh, yeah. Um, so I have to say that sign was um, like I had mentioned before, that sign brought me a lot of joy. Um, but I was thinking earlier to like what something else that brought me a lot of joy was um, the support I had from um, Ryan and Rascal, but also my mom um, and my dad. They supported me so well. And it's just like, it brought me joy knowing like they had my back and they like, I could trust these people fully. And, you know, I'm a trusting person. I thought I was a trusting person, but being out there, being just emotionally, physically, mentally depleted, I really had to rely on these people. And I felt most of the times they made the right decision. If they didn't, then I didn't know about it. But I just remember one moment. Um, it was, I was very weak. Um, it was uh, getting really cold. And it was after a super hard day. I felt like foggy in the brain. Like I was obviously something was going on with me and I had no idea. Um, and my body was not allowing me to eat food. Like I could not keep the food down. I kept wrenching and, um, I was just sitting there with my mom in the car. And I just remember like looking at her and just like with these, like just worried eyes. And I just felt warmth from her. And I just felt like 
everything's going to be okay. She didn't have to say it. And I, I think she did say it, but like the way she looked at me, um, I just felt like I could trust her and I could go another day and just, I was very, <laughs> it's weird saying this, but you go, me and Rascal are talking about this. You, you go back to like being a child, a baby almost. Um, and so that sounds weird, but like with my mom, it was just like a very childlike interaction. Like I was worried and she was just giving me warmth. Um, but to go off that point with Rascal and I, we were talking about, um, how it's just like doing this kind of thing. You do one thing, you walk, um, you can go to the bathroom wherever you want. Um, environmentally conscious of where you're going, obviously. Um, but I ended up also eating baby food because it was easy to consume and digest and like it melted in your mouth. Uh, so that was really funny. Uh, that was just like a little story that I had. That you literally go back to like being a baby and it's just like you do one thing and everyone does everything else for you. Um, but yeah, going back to the joy, like just knowing that I had these people to trust that just I found a new trust in these people that, that gave me a lot of joy knowing that I could, I'm going to get emotional. I'm not, I'm not going to, it's not going to happen, <laughs> but just knowing I could trust those people fully. was, um, something now that gives me a lot of joy. Yeah. That's, that's so great to hear. Um, I'm super stoked that you shared that with us. And I, I often have thought that running ultras is a lot like being a child. And I guess maybe some people didn't like grow up running around in the woods and eating a lot of candy as a kid. But you know, if you, didn't and you haven't ever experienced that kind of joy I definitely think you could do that now you just have to start running really far in between yeah yeah and you have to have people that you know make the right decisions I also didn't mention you literally nap wherever you wanted like I have this photo on my Instagram where I literally was napping in the rain like I just nap wherever I want I was like I'm gonna sleep right here under this tree and no one's gonna say a thing about it and I'm gonna eat this crappy food and this baby food and I don't care. I'm running this thing. I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so great. Um, and so maybe switching gears here a little bit. Um, what was one minor annoyance that came up seemingly day after day while on the trail? I think you may have already answered this one a little bit, but let's probably go back yeah. to it. A lot of, a lot of people can probably guess by now. Uh, it was just the cars. It was the cars, man. It was, it was tough. It was tough. Like it, it wasn't a problem in the mountains. Wasn't a problem at the end, but the cars, it was just, it wasn't that people were always trying to hit me. Like, I think I got almost, almost actually hit maybe like a handful of times. Um, which is great because you know, the amount of cars I saw, um, but it was just stressful. I was on highways and I was on these busy, I was crossing interstates and, um, I was on these country roads where I did not feel welcomed at parts. There was a very seemingly racist section of road walking that I felt very uncomfortable with, very, very uncomfortable, uh, you know, Confederate flags and keep out no trespassing signs, but no one waving at me. I waved at people on their porch and, you know, nobody waved back. It's just like, Oh, I'm not welcome here. I'm going to walk a little faster. Um, but you know, not only like those country roads, but just like, you know, the highways and you always have to be on, on the highways. You always have to be watching these cars. Cause you know, the moment you look down and there's somebody texting and they accidentally swerve a little bit, they can clip you. Um, and you just have to be ready to move at any moment. Um, so, you know, every day when I was on a road, it was just, it was something I was not, it wasn't my favorite part. 
It wasn't. And if I was to do this again, if I was to do a regular through hike, there is the option. They do count, you know, hiking, biking the road section or canoeing a certain um, um, river. So they do count those. And, you know, I'd probably bike it. I'd probably get over sooner and just do a regular like through hike and bike it um, instead of on foot. Yeah, we got another like a great opportunity for somebody to do that as a triathlon in the future. If there's a swimming, running and biking component, <laughs> yeah. um, count me go. out for that because I could like barely <laughs> swim. Like I'm pretty proficient at not drowning, but <laughs> moving is very difficult for me. Same, same here. Same here. Yeah. I would take the canoeing over the bike riding though, any day. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Uh, you, you take out the whole coastal crescent section um, when you canoe. So, I mean, it's really neat. It's, it's a cool alternative for sure. Yeah. We got another question in the chat. This one's from our faster host, Wesley Harton. Apparently his plane has landed and he is watching the show with us this evening. And he wants to know what is, what is easier to uh, stay locked into on the beach compared to being in the woods? Like what's easier of the two, you know, since the woods is narrower, probably more single track, whereas the beach is wide open and there's also a lot of more people having fun and going home afterwards. And, you know, there's, there might be that jealousy <laughs> aspect of it too. Yeah. Yeah, what's easier to stay locked on, like uh, stay in the zone? Yeah, assume focus. I would, yeah. yeah, I would definitely say the mountains or the uh, like the trails, actual uh, traditional trails, uh, because you don't see as many people. Um, I feel very comfortable on trails and trail running um, with the amount of training I did beforehand. Uh, and I just, I was just able to be a lot more focused. Uh, the beach, however, was really cool as well. Like I, I feel like if I did a little more practice on the beach, I feel like I could have definitely gotten, um, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot more miles on there, but it was, it was a little tougher with the sand. It was a lot slower on the sand. Um, and there was a lot of stuff to look at. There was a lot of people hanging out, drinking beers, sitting in chairs, fishing. And I was like, dang it. I wish <laughs> I was doing that. Literally people are on these vacations, like hanging out on the side of the beach. And I'm like walking, <laughs> trying to walk at least on the beach. Yeah. But I would say trails for sure were easier to stay locked on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so with that said, were you ever... I know you said there were no trail angels, so there was probably very little trail magic, but were any of these sort of like big tourist groups or these beach parties you went past, did they ever invite you in? Uh, Do you ever join any of these? No? (laughs) No, no, I didn't. You know, that would be totally cool. Uh, I I never thought about it like that, but um, no, I didn't. Um, I got like a lot of old people that just stared at me. literally just just oh people don't care these days they literally just straight up stare uh that was whatever but it was cool to, it was it was like uh I don't know the word for it but it was kind of like I felt a lot of their joy like it just kind of radiated to me and just seeing like kids having a great time in the water and babies first time in the water and families just enjoying the beach together it just like gave me a lot of joy yeah that's so that's kind of trail magic, trail, trail magic in its own way, just the joy that I got mm-hmm. from it. Yeah, I would say so. And the reason I asked that question is because one of my many regrets as a runner is that a couple of years ago when I was doing the uh, the Columbus Marathon, at mile like two and a half, there was a man standing by the side of the road with a Miller Light in his hand, just like 
reaching out into the crowd, trying to hand it to somebody. And I, the way I took the turn as we went past him, I would have had to cut through the whole pack and I couldn't get to him. So I missed out on the free beer uh, two and a half miles into a race. Maybe, maybe a good decision, but. <laughs> nice. But yeah. my mom, my mom did just text me and she, um, um, oh yeah. She wanted me cause she, she's listening to this right now. And she said, remember to tell them about the people that helped you. There were trail angels that did end up helping us. Um, when we were in a tight pinch and, you know, doing it responsibly, of course, but, um, they did house us. We did have two sets of trail angels house us. Um, and then the first night, my, the car broke down, the car broke down the first night. Oh my gosh, my vehicle broke down, but I got to this campsite in my, um, in the, the caretakers of the campsite were like, Hey, you're, you're the dude who's driving the car. Like he said, that uh, the car broke down and that you should just kind of like wait for him. And we didn't know how long he was going to be. They ended up getting, going down to him, to the mechanic and getting some supplies for me to use for the night. Cause he didn't know if he was going to be back that night. Um, and they ended up, they saw that what he brought me and, and they saw the food and they ended up putting me in a cabin instead of just letting me use a tent site. And they ended up inviting me to their friend's little cookout and I got fish tacos. Uh, so that was at the mile high campground and that was awesome. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was incredible. I forgot about that. Thank you, mom, for letting me remind me of that. Um, but there were two sets of trail angels and then that really great moment in the beginning, the first day. Actually, the first day the car broke down and I was very thankful for the trail angels up on the uh, mile how came crown. Yeah, that's uh, thank you to your mom for texting you and reminding you about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that was, funny. yeah, that was really oh. nice of her to do. Uh, and we're glad she's yeah. tuned in as well. Uh, we always love when people can kind of join this show. Hi, Debbie online. or mom. <laughs> so we can say hi, Debbie. Um, and so um, you may have already just answered this when speaking about having to get the car fixed on the very first day, but what was one moment where your crew went above and beyond to really help you out during this FKT? Mm. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the whole time they're really great. Um, but I mean, just the, I mean, the entire time they're really great and they just helped assist me in any way that I needed. Um, but there was a time that, um, the time that comes to my brain right now was when I became really malnourished. I was super malnourished. Um, and my sister-in-law actually on video chat, she noticed I was iron deficient because I was really pale in the face. I know I look really pale in the face on this screen, but I don't look always look this pale. Uh, so I literally kind of looked like this on the video chat. Um, and my gums were white and my lips were white and she noticed it. she's a nutritionist. She noticed I had iron deficiency, but I also had a lot of, um, I wasn't, I'm a vegetarian. I wasn't eating the right foods. I wasn't getting protein. I wasn't, I wasn't doing a lot of stuff. I was eating foods that I did on my, that I ate on my through hike of the Appalachian trail. And that's, that wasn't, that wasn't cutting it. Um, that wasn't cutting it for 40 miles a day. I learned a lot about nutrition, but anyway, so like, uh, so I remember we, we ended up stopping early one day and, um, I had another friend, Ryan come out, another Ryan, 
two rinds and we ended up stopping early for the day and going out and just getting all this, the right foods. Um, and we went back, went back to the hotel and, you know, they did my laundry, they hard boiled eggs. Cause we realized like I could eat eggs and you know, I should do that for protein and the hard boiled eggs. I took a bath. <laughs> I took a bath, you know, just chilling. Uh, and they did all of this stuff and, you know, organize the food, organize the car, hard boiled eggs, um, and made a plan because you have to do ferries in the coastal section. They planned out the ferries. They planned out my miles. Um, and I felt so taken care of, and it just felt like they're going above and beyond at that moment. But maybe the next day I was trying so hard to eat all this food. Um, like we were just trying to get all this food in me, just trying to eat. I was just trying to get better again because my brain was in a fog and I couldn't run because I was getting lightheaded. Um, I couldn't run for more than maybe like 10 seconds without just feeling like I was going to faint. And I was, I couldn't form proper sentences. Uh, I could not talk correctly. Um, and so, you know, we were trying to get all this food in me the next day. I ended up throwing all of it up. I threw up all this food. Literally my body was just rejecting food and it was so tough. Cause I don't want, I didn't want any of this food. Like my mind is telling me like, you don't need this food. And it was so tough. And I just remember them cleaning me up, putting me to bed and, you know, just trying to give me a pep talk, but I didn't want to hear it. But, you know, I didn't have to do anything that night. They cleaned up the throw up and <laughs> they, they put me to bed and, the next morning we got up and did everything again. And luckily I was fine, but just, just realizing that they had my back in those moments at my lowest was, um, very, very appreciated. I'm sure if they're watching, they're going to be uh, pretty happy to hear, hear about that and hear how yeah. they make them smile and stuff. So, um, yeah. Look, looking yeah. at all your challenges that you've talked about, um, and all the, all the stuff that you did beforehand to kind of prep yourself. What do you think um, is the single most important aspect of the entire FKT? Like, is it, is it figuring out your nutrition beforehand or is it figuring out your training beforehand or is it figuring out a support team? Like what, what piece do you think is most mm. critical to, to getting done with the, with the goal? Yeah. I mean, obviously somebody would say like, obviously the, all of it is super important. Um, but looking back at it for me, um, to put an emphasis on one, I would probably put an emphasis the next time on nutrition. Uh, cause you can always, that sounds weird, but you can always get in shape like Anish, uh, Heather Anderson. I don't know if you guys ever read thirst, but she had like knee trouble and she was like out of shape before her PCT, uh, self-supported through hike, um, FKT. Uh, so she was, she was out of shape and she had knee issues and everything. And so in my mind, like you can always get to that point where you're doing like 40 miles a day. And she right out the gate did that. Um, but nutrition was super, is super important. Like, I, I just think about like, if I had the right nutrition, what, how much faster I could have gone. Um, if I knew as a vegetarian that I need to be eating the correct foods, I need to be taking iron supplements. Uh, I need to be fueling myself properly, um, and letting everything else fall, fall in 
to line after that. A support crew is very important. So I would say that's like the second thing. And, um, you know, the third thing I would say is probably that, that getting all that training in and, um, yeah, but nutrition, it's, it was, it was so important and it might be different for some people, but man, like, I just think about, it, I'm just thinking like what I could have done towards the end there. Like if I could have done like 50 mile days and ended it, you know, a day early or something, we will never know, but the nutrition, I was, I was struggling a lot towards the end there. Didn't know what my body was doing. I didn't know if it was going to survive, uh, but it's right. And I'm here to tell a story. That's great. And we're so glad you are here to tell the story. Um, and we're <laughs> super stoked to be hearing it. And so um, this will be the last question before we go to the quicker questions. We know yeah. we're getting around till 9 PM. Um, but how did you feel immediately after finishing the trail? And then how did you feel 24 hours after finishing? And then now, how do you mm. feel looking back on this? Immediately after the trail, after the trail, I cried. Obviously, that's my release. I cried so much. I was just, I was so happy to be done. I was like, I can finally sleep. I can finally just like drink coffee whenever I want. I don't have to like time it correctly. Um, you know, I I can stay up to whatever hour. I can do whatever I want. It's just like freedom. I felt like this release. It was like, oh my gosh, thank you. I can do whatever I want just a huge release and a huge feeling of accomplishment, obviously. Um, but you know, by the third day I knew I was going to make it. So I'd been, you know, realizing it the whole time feeling that accomplishment, but really it's just that, that freedom, just like, Oh my gosh, thank gosh. Uh, I'm done. Um, 24 hours after it's funny. I literally told rascal, uh, we were hanging out on the porch drinking coffee and I look at her and I was just like, I kind of miss it. <laughs> So she thought that was funny to remind me of, um, but yeah, I, I honestly kind of missed it and missed that, that feeling of pushing myself, pushing my limits. And that day, that's when I looked into the ultra marathons and, you know, which one was open. Obviously there's probably none that are going to happen until next year, uh, probably, but, um, you know, I just missed that feeling. And I also, you know, I was really tired all the time and, I really wanted to just sleep throughout the day. Um, but I also like that freedom. So I was forcing myself not to sleep because I enjoyed just being awake, doing whatever I wanted, watching Netflix. Um, and then now looking back, uh, it's kind of that same feeling. It's just like, it's like, I feel super accomplished. I feel thankful for the experience I feel thankful for the bravery and courage that I found, the trust that I found in my friends and family. Um, and just that, that it's like, now it's like almost like I walk around or I drive around with this secret. Uh, and it's like a lot of people don't know it, but it's like, I, I walk around with this secret and it's like, I lived life. I lived for 30 days so intentionally with this passion and with this drive. And what I came out with it is this feeling of just like living life to the fullest. And I felt so accomplished. And it's just thinking like, if everyone, I know everyone can't do FKT. I, and I know most people, you know, wouldn't want to do an ultra marathon, but if you could just experience life in that way that I did, I feel like a lot of people would realize find a lot of happiness in life. Cause I feel like I just, 
I found this way of living that's just so different than what we've been told. And uh, it's just this feeling of just accomplishment and uh, just this courage that I found, this trust that I found, this passion I found. Uh, and it's, now it's like I walk around, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish everyone could know this. It's incredible. Um, so that's kind of how I feel now. And also that feeling like when's that next challenge? I need, I need the next, because it's so addicting, that feeling. It's just that addicting, addicting feeling of just pushing your limits for some reason. It was just, I don't know, man. I don't know how to describe it. Just pushing your limits can just, it can be hard, but you know, these fruits, these beautiful fruits come from it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, no, um, I definitely think you're doing a pretty good job of describing it. I was feeling it there, right? I was, a, I, I'm just now returning from an injury myself and I was feeling very motivated mm-hmm. all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so we're going to move <laughs> on now to um, our quicker questions and then wrap up the show. But starting off this very first one, uh, Tara, what was your favorite snack or meal that you had out on the trail? Ooh, mm, uh, what was my favorite snack? Oh, you know what? Oh man, crunchy things. Like towards the end there, like mm-hmm. all I wanted was pretzels. All I wanted was goldfish, just crunchiness. Like, I don't know why. I think it was the iron deficiency, but I also mm-hmm. just wanted to chew on ice and I just wanted to eat pretzels and crunch. And it might sound weird, but I also like to just touch gravel and feel it. And it was just my favorite snack was just something that I could crunch. I didn't eat the gravel. Okay. <laughs> but I did just love, like, for some reason, it was just like, I was addicted to this crunchiness. And I think it was the iron deficiency. Cause I hear like, if you do chew ice, that's a sign of that, but, uh, pretzels for sure. Um, and goldfish was my favorite snack just cause that, that crunch, it's just like, <laughs> ah, yes. that's that's really great and very specific if i ever have that urge i'll definitely think about my iron levels um yeah yeah do do that yeah (laughs) don't chew ice it actually ended up hurting my teeth like i did it for the past three days and my my teeth my jaw is kind of sore now so don't do that (laughs) (laughs) and so um sort of keeping with that same trend did you have any huge post-trail indulgences Uh, Was there one big meal waiting on you or was it just kind of like a lawn chair and a beer? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was just kind of like a beer. I would say like I was able to drink a beer. I felt more willing to like drink the whole thing. Uh, I'm also kind of pescatarian sometimes when the fish is good. So like I also had some fish because I was at the Outer Banks, but yeah, it wasn't really indulgences. Um, Ice cream. I'm, I really enjoyed the ice cream, but yeah, just kind of, if I wanted food, we were so close, so close to town that I could get whatever I wanted, uh, if I did have any cravings. So it wasn't, it wasn't a lot like those on trail, um, when you're on a trail, it's harder to get food. So it was a lot easier for me to get like anything I really wanted. Um, but honestly, I didn't really want a lot uh, the crunchiness. I did want the crunch. It was all about the crunch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then, so um, if ultra running had walk-up songs like baseball, uh, what would yours be? 
oh man, <laughs> my husband's gonna love this. But I actually tried to memorize this song for him, but it ended up becoming like this hype song for me. Uh, what is it called? Dang it. It's so popular. It's by Eminem. Um, Lose yourself? One moment. <laughs> <laughs> I would try to I would sing it like by myself and try to memorize the whole thing I didn't get through it but it ended up being like this hype song like the at the end of the day I was like let's get these last two miles go NMM let's do it it'll be a fantastic so that was addition definitely my hype song to the Spotify list mm-hmm. um, <laughs> if if you could run uh, with one person in the history of the world even if they aren't able to run with you and assuming they keep your pace and run wherever you wanted to run, who would that be and why? Hmm. You know, I, I instantly it is. Yeah. I just, I just enjoy her company so much, but definitely uh, Liz um, or uh, Mercury who just did the FKT of the Appalachian trail. Uh, just, she was such an encouragement when I was on trail Um And she's so, she's such an encouragement. She's so supportive. Uh, And she is a little older than me. And she's kind of like I viewed her a lot as a mentor. And I just appreciated her friendship a lot. And when we were on trail together, like we saw each other, um, or she listened to me because we were on the phone, but I saw her and she heard me at my worst. And I think we could I felt like we really created a bond and um, we still text and I hope to do, you know, a hike or a run with her and we could just enjoy each other's company then rather than just suffering on the phone or in person together. Um, So right off the bat, like I literally think of Liz um, at pink feathers, if anyone's wondering uh, on Instagram, but yeah, she's just, she's a, she's a great, great person. Um, Definitely her. Of all the people that, yeah, I'm sure there's somebody else, but she's the one I think about first. Once again, continuing the trend of very sweet and nice answers (laughs) to this question instead of famous people. Um, (laughs) Truly, I'm so stoked that our guests keep doing this. I keep waiting for the like Teddy Roosevelt answer and it's just, it's never come. (laughs) And truly, um, this is one of my favorite parts of the show is hearing all of them. (laughs) But then, so... This will be um, our last quick question before we let you go for the night. Uh, and you got to think, because you've never ran an ultra race before, you technically could choose from any of these, right? But what is your mm-hmm. dream race? Dream race. Um, what is it called? Oh, man. Um, dang, what is it? Um, it's one Courtney DeWalter did uh it's a 200 mile race i think it's around the tahoe rim and i really i really wish Mm -hmm. i knew this but um i think it was that one that she did uh around the tahoe rim um but that that seemed like a really cool trail uh it's 200 miles Mm -hmm. 205 miles um and i just watched her documentary about it and it's the source on youtube um, and I might be totally wrong about Tahoe Rim, but I think that's what it was. But it just looked really cool in the documentary. Um, I also really kind of want to do Pitchell, which is Mount Pisgah in Asheville to Mount Mitchell in um, Asheville, uh, in the Asheville area. 
And that's 60 miles. And it's just a, you can just do it regularly. I mean, it's not ultra marathon. There might be something that's set up, but that would be a really cool one. And um, just to see how I did that, because there's a lot of elevation gain and you follow the MST. So I'm very familiar with that. So Pitchell as well, that's 60 miles. One of my fun races. We'll have to check this out. I know there's a Wesley did Mount Mitchell, I think. I think they have what there's a, they have a Mount race Mitchell there. challenge race that it like you run up and down just Mount Mitchell. Mitchell. And it's like 40 miles. Or oh, cool. Connecting yeah. Pisca and Mount Mitchell. I don't think there's a race for that. No, sounds like there should be one. Yeah, I, I would just, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. If I would Brandon love to Thrower just do that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody to uh, put on Set that race. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, for our listeners who want to maybe follow you on social media, where do you think they can uh, find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Tara, T A R A dot Dower D O W E R. Um, I'm also on YouTube, but it's like a couple's account with my husband, but we're the Dower duo. Uh, if you're into couple accounts, um, but yeah, mostly on Instagram right now, just as Tara dot Dower. And uh, before we close out of here, do you want to plug anything, any sponsors or any last minute shout outs? Oh, make? yeah, yeah. Um, so my support guy, Ryan Thomas, is making a documentary and um, he is in, you know, right off the bat. I mean, that's what he's mostly doing. Um, he's in the process of making and producing one right now uh, about the hike that I just did, the MST hike. And you can follow the progress of that on Instagram. And let me just make sure I get this correct because I would not feel right if um, I didn't. It is at MST. Uh, underscore FKT 2020. And this just will tell you, um, you know, when and where it's coming out. And also thank you to my mother, uh, who supported me, my father who supported me as well. Um, my husband, Jonathan, who was there for emotional support on the phone, uh, rascal who hiked uh, over 400 miles with me and Ryan who followed me for a thousand miles uh, across the state of North Carolina. Uh, so shout out to them for sure. And everyone else in between, there's so many people, there's so many other people that helped in between. Um, but those were, those were the core group that just went above and beyond. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. As always, we'll put those links in the description below. So we'll link um, for the documentary and everything like that below, as well as Tara's Instagram. Um, thank you all yeah. so much for coming out and joining us. Thank you for being on the show. You've been a wonderful guest. Um, and yeah. everyone in the thank chat room. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. And everyone in the chat room, thank you for being uh, a participant tonight and asking some great questions. And we will see you all next week on the next Ridge Runners Live. Cool. Bye, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava club so you can get mentioned in the Strava rundown every single week. 
We'll see you next week, Rosier Nation. Yeah.